0: Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Before I pray, I want to I tell you about a little bit of an opportunity that we have as we prepare for school to start back, right? And I know it's just in a few weeks. Sorry to have to say that, students and teachers. But it is starting back, and we have to prepare for it. And so we always think through as a staff numbers and logistics and all the things that are going to happen in the fall because the fall is when everybody comes back from vacation, everybody's back in school and we have packed house week after week. And so we were kind of estimating this week looking at our children's department and our students and our, our teenagers and we were, gonna, we're estimating now when, when school starts back that from birth through 12th grade we're going to have, we're estimating about 275 kids here every Sunday morning. That's the numbers. Based on what we've seen in the past. So from birth through 12th grade, about 275 kids. Now that doesn't include workers. Now that's an incredible blessing, but to whom much is given, much is what? Expected, right? And so we are expecting you to serve. There it is, right? We need your help. When you got that many students, that many children, that many preschoolers, the Lord is doing some amazing things. He's blessing our churches, he always has. But those kids don't teach themselves. And when you put 15 two-year-olds in the same room without an adult, bad things happen. And so we need your help. <laughs> so you be praying about your place of service. Be praying about how the Lord could use you. You can talk to Philip McClung, Vicky McCann, Kathy Hutto, Jason Bennett, any of our leaders, Pam Murphy. If you're interested in serving in one of those areas. And, and I don't want you just to blow this off. I want you to pray about it. Don't sit here and think, oh, he's not talking to me. I'm too happy my Sunday school. Just pray about it. The Lord may speak to you. And while you're praying about it, you need to pray for our Romanian team that left Thursday, our Alaskan team that's leaving now. There are people in the air right now flying towards Alaska. There'll be people leaving early afternoon, people leaving late afternoon. We've got around 40 people going to Alaska, uh, an additional, I don't know, 10 or 12 going to Romania. And so you be in prayer for those teams, and they'll be gone for over a week just sharing the word with all that would hear. here. What, a, what an amazing time. Let me pray for us and we're going to begin our study this morning. Father, we're thankful for our time together. We're thankful for the opportunity, Father, to sing and to worship and to praise your name, Father. I pray that as we continue to worship through study this morning, you would speak clearly to us. I pray that as we open the truth of your text, Father, the Holy Spirit would, would give us the ability to, to, to hear it and to comprehend it and to apply it to our lives. And Lord, our prayer, as always, is based on Romans 12, Father. I pray that we would be more transformed into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. In the year 107, that would be about 70 years or so after the death of Christ, the bishop of Antioch, Ignatius was his name, was sentenced to death by the Roman government because of his views of Christianity. Now Ignatius obviously preached, and he led others, and he brought people to Christ, and so by the Roman government standards, he was some sort of a nuisance. And so they arrested him, and they put him in a caravan heading towards Rome, and as he was heading towards Rome, a great military festival had been planned for some victories at the Roman Army had had, and so his death, believe it or not, was going to be part of the entertainment for that celebration. Now, as Ignatius was arrested and on his way to Rome, he got word that some of his followers were going to attempt to rescue him when he got to Rome. They wanted to kind of break him out of jail, and it's very interesting because on his way, as he learned about this plot, Ignatius wrote seven different letters. Now, these letters are written almost 2,000 years ago now, and you can still read all seven of them. They're still available. And it's interesting the things Ignatius says because as he learns about the plot to be rescued by his followers, he writes in these letters to inform his supporters that he had no intention of being rescued. In fact, he says, God's got other plans for me. I want to read you just a short portion of one of the letters that he wrote to the followers in Rome that awaited his arrival. He says, these are the words of Ignatius in the year 107, So that I may not be only called a Christian, but also behave as such, my love is crucified. I no longer savor corruptible food, but wish to taste the bread of God." When I suffer, now he's well aware of where he's going. When I suffer, I shall be free in Jesus Christ. And with him shall rise again in freedom. I am God's wheat to be ground by the teeth of beasts. So that I may be offered as pure bread to Christ. Now Ignatius was martyred shortly after his arrival in Rome. And as I read these letters and, and I hear the account of his life, I'm left with kind of a nagging question. What would cause a man sentenced to die a, a very cruel and painful death to have such unwavering faith? How do you get that sort of faith? And so we think through this man's life a little bit and we say things like this. Well, maybe he was insane. He just didn't quite grasp reality. Or maybe he wasn't aware of his circumstances, exactly what was going on in his life at that moment. Maybe he didn't know what was going to happen when he got to Rome. Or maybe he was just so afraid that he didn't quite know what to do. We start wondering how he could be so faithful in such a difficult time. But as you read these letters and you read the accounts of his life, what you begin to understand is this is a man that had not only understood exactly what was planned for his life, but he had embraced it. It It's very clear what he was going to do. It's very clear what was going to happen to him when he got there. And yet he writes these letters with the strength of Christ that it's hard for us to even imagine. And so we're probably going to never fully understand his faith And where he drew that strength from. But there's a passage of scripture that I want to study this morning that's going to give us just a little bit of clue. And I want to kind of tell you before we get into this text, and I want to kind of encourage you there are people in this room right now that are going through difficult times. And you know who you are. There are people in this room right now that are struggling. There are people in this room right now that came this morning, kind of at the end of their rope with nowhere else to turn. Well, I want to give you just a little bit of hope this morning. If we'll put our trust in Christ, if we'll rely on Him, He'll demonstrate grace and strength in our lives that we don't yet understand. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to open to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, we're going to be focused on verses 7 through 10 because Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, is going to give very clear indication of exactly who the Lord is. He's going to give very clear indication of exactly what the Lord can do and what he can accomplish in our lives if we'll simply let him. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 7. I think we have it on the screen for you as well. You can read along with it up here or in your Bibles. The words of Paul. To keep me from becoming conceited... Because of these surpassingly great revelations, and Paul has just spent all this time in 2 Corinthians explaining all the Lord has done for him and all the Lord has given to him. And Paul says, "No, listen, I don't want to be conceited in all this, right? I don't want to be conceited and think that I'm better than everybody else because of what the Lord has done, right? So to keep me from being conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me right there's there's great pain associated with this thorn in the flesh verse 8 three times i pleaded with the lord to take it away from me but he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness one of the great promises of scripture right there therefore i will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses So that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now at first glance, this little section of scripture seems almost illogical to us. Right? How how can a person be glad in torment? How can a person be strong in weakness? How can a person walk through great difficulties and great trials and boast all the more in the difficulties that he or she is facing? Well, there's some truth in Scripture that Paul wants us to get. There's some things he wants us to see and he wants us to understand in our walk. And I want to outline that for us this morning. So here's the first truth I want to consider. As believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, number one, we should expect thorns. You need to be prepared, if you're not already, (laughs) that life can be very hard. There are struggles we're going to face There are difficulties that are going to arise against us. There are things that we're going to have to battle. There are things that are painful. There are things in the word of Paul, in the words of Paul, that are going to torment us. But I want to think just for a few minutes about what this means in our context. Now Paul uses this very interesting word, thorn. There's a thorn in the flesh And as we think about a thorn in the flesh, there's obviously, there's a sense of great pain, right? A physical pain, but there's so much more that goes along with this idea. In fact, if you were to spend some time kind of researching and reading through Scripture, this idea of the word thorn, it comes up in several very interesting contexts. So, for example, you may remember in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the Bible says that God has created everything good, Everything is right and everything is perfect. Genesis chapter 3, the Bible says that sin enters the world. And when sin enters the world, the curse and punishment falls upon humans. And we read in Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, the Lord is speaking to Adam. And I want you to listen to the words. Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat. Here's the curse. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life, verse 18. It will produce thorns. You remember the text now, right? It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. It's interesting. Watch this now. Before sin, there were no thorns. There were no briars, as we say, in the south. So you could have walked through the woods on a summer afternoon in shorts and not come home with cuts all over your legs like we have to do now. So there's this sense here in this scripture that the thorn is in some way associated with sinfulness. Because of the sin of the world, there are thorns. I get this question a lot. It's funny. It's like people save up the very difficult questions for the pastor, right? As if I've got all the answers. I don't. I'll try, but I don't. And so I get this question a lot from people. Why do bad things happen to good people, right? We've all thought that before. We've all had that question. Now, there are a, a lot of nuances to that and a lot of ways we can answer that. But kind of the first thing my mind thinks in the first place I go in Scripture is this. Bad things happen to all people because there's sin. That's the foundation. No matter where you are in your walk and where you are in life, bad things happen to all of us on some level because there's sin, right? So we see in this Scripture that thorns are produced, bad things are produced because they're sinful. Let's fast forward a little bit to Numbers 33. Moses talking about going into the promised land with the children of Israel and the people that live in the promised land. And the scripture says in verse 55 of Numbers 33, but if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, talking about the promised land, those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides, right? They will give you trouble in the land where you live. There's this sense, again, that because there are thorns, there are problems, Because there are thorns, there are difficulties, there are troubles. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 6 says this, speaking of the people of Israel, speaking to the prophet Isaiah, I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. Right? There's this sense over and over in Scripture that, of course, a thorn is painful, but there's something spiritual associated with it. The devil's going to attack you spiritually. The devil's going to attack you physically. The devil's going to attack you emotionally. He's going to try to place things in your life that are going to cause you to struggle. Now, we've all had the thorn in the flesh at some point in our lives, haven't we? Maybe there's a person you're thinking of right now that's a thorn in your side, right? Maybe you work with that person. Maybe you're a friend to that person. Maybe you see that person in certain social contexts. They're a thorn in your flesh. Maybe you have a situation at work that's very difficult for you and you think, you know, I hear about this thorn in the flesh and that's kind of a thorn in my flesh. It's always painful and I'm always struggling with it and it's always a difficult thing for me. Maybe there's some sort of a trial and there's some sort of a hardship that you're going to in your life. And Now here's the normal response. If you're like most other people in the world, when you go through a difficult time, you go through a trial, you go through some sort of a hardship, one of the first things you do is you pray that the Lord would remove it, right? Lord, you got to fix this problem. I mean, if you knew what I'm dealing with here, Lord, with this person, or if you knew what I was dealing with with this trial, this hardship, Lord, you, you would fix it. You would change that person's heart or you'd change my heart or you'd do something to correct this problem because this thing is incredibly painful for me. It's hard for me to go through. Some of you are in that moment right now in your life. You're dealing with a struggle. You're dealing with a hardship. You're dealing with something that's extremely uncomfortable and you've prayed maybe more than once that the Lord would take it away. Lord, fix it. It's interesting because that's the same response we get from Paul. Look at verse 8. Paul says very specifically when he speaks of the thorn in his flesh three times, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Right? There's this sense, Lord, I, I can't deal with this. This is too difficult for me. This is too much of a hardship. Now there's great debate about what Paul's thorn was. I don't know. Everybody's got an opinion. He never says. But there's something he's struggling with that brings him to the point that he pleads with the Lord to take it away. But here's the very interesting part about this scripture. Look again at verses 8 and 9. Now pay attention here. Let's stay with this text because I want you to notice what the Lord does. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me. right? Paul says, Lord, please just take this from me. I don't want to deal with it. It's too difficult. Verse 9, but, right there's this sense. I'm not going to get what I asked for. But he said to me, my grace is is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. See, here's the second truth, and this may be the most difficult one we have to grasp this morning. Number one, we gotta expect thorns. We gotta be ready for bad things to happen in our lives and prepare our hearts for that. But number two, difficulties in life are opportunities to experience God's grace. Difficulties in life are opportunities to experience God's grace. If you never had it bad, you would know when it was good, right? If you'd never been through a trial, you would not know when it's over. If you're like me and you get sick every now and then, I, I kid with Amy, I don't get sick a lot, but when I do, I like to whine about it, Men, right? We don't get sick but once a year, but when we do, we want to let everybody know we're sick. We want to feel bad. We stay in bed for a few. That's what she says about me. At least I complain when I'm sick. I I don't think I do, but she tells me I do. It's okay. But when we're sick and you feel terrible and you get well, you remember the joy you feel? You'd forgotten how good it feels to be well. I'd forgotten it felt this good. I can walk again, right? I feel normal. If you had not been sick, you wouldn't know how good it felt. If you were always well and everything was always good, you wouldn't know what things were happening. You wouldn't know that it was so good in your life. You kind of have to go through bad stretches to know how good it is, right? The Lord says, Paul, I'm not going to take this away from you because I want you to understand sometimes the trials in life give you the chance to experience my goodness, to experience my grace, to experience my power. I've been using illustrations from India for the last several weeks, and I, and I, I find myself, I, I shouldn't do this, kind of apologizing sometimes. I'll say something like this. I know I've used these illustrations before talking about India, but it's still in my heart. Somebody came up to me after church last week, and they said, don't ever apologize for using mission references. You keep doing it. So I will. I'm going to keep doing it. Thank you very much for your permission. So I was in India a few weeks ago, and we were sitting around talking to these church planners. And again, I keep going back to it because there is, just, just listen to my words here, there is an absolute work of the Spirit going on in that country, in that continent. It's not like anything we're having here. It's different. It is tangibly different. And I just can't quite get that out of my spirit. And so we're sitting in this room with these church planners. These are men who have literally given up things for Christ, These are men who've literally been beaten for their faith. And I've talked already about how we just saw miracles and the miraculous, and I just felt like I was literally living in the book of Acts. And i talked about how at the end of the session, we kind of did a question and answer, and we got people to tell us a little bit about their story and about their life. And I asked, how many of you have either come to know the Lord or know personally of a person who's come to know the Lord through a miraculous event or healing? And every hand goes up that's just the world they live in and one guy starts telling the story of a lady who has tuberculosis and she'd struggled with it for, for many months and she'd gotten to the point where the doctors told her that she wasn't going to live they couldn't do any more for her he had, she'd gone to kind of her spiritual guide her Hindu leader, her priest they couldn't do anything for her she was getting progressively worse progressively worse progressively worse she heard of this believer she heard of a Christian and she heard that he'd pray for her and so this man was sitting in the room And she went to him, and he began to pray for her, and she began to get better. (laughs) And she began to get better. And over the course of several weeks and eventually a couple of months, she was healed of tuberculosis. It's amazing. Had I not sat there and heard that man and didn't know those people had vouched for that story, I probably wouldn't have believed it myself. But after this lady was healed from tuberculosis, she came to know Christ. After she came to know Christ, guess what? Her family saw what had happened to her. They came to know Christ. There's this this incredible story of healing, but here's the point. Had she never been sick, she never would have gotten to that point. you understand that? Had she not had to walk through that trial and experience that pain and experience that thorn, she never would have seen the Lord's grace like she saw it. She had to experience this great difficulty before she could taste the goodness of the Lord. And I think sometimes we miss that. And so none of us pray that we'll get sick, of course. And none of us pray for trials and for struggles. But when we're going through them in some part of our spirit, in some part of our hearts, we ought to at least think this Father, let me experience your grace, grace through this pain, let me experience your power. Let me experience your love. Even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you know the scripture, I will fear no evil. Why? Because the Lord is going to be there with me. He's going to provide for me. He's going to walk me through this fire. And on the other side, I'm going to understand his grace in ways that I've never understood it before. You say, I, you know, I hear this word grace, Adam, but that's kind of a churchy word, right? It's a, it's a, it's a word that, un, that believers understand, and if you went to church all your life, you understand. And maybe if you've been to church all your life, you don't understand it. So I want to spend just a couple of minutes, and I want to define grace for you. Grace is, biblically, we can say grace is this. It's that which God does for mankind, which mankind does not earn, does not deserve, and will never merit. When the Lord gives you something that you can't do yourself, that you can't earn, that you don't deserve, that's grace. And so we see grace in a a lot of parts of our life. We see grace in salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this, For it's by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. we, We can't save ourselves. You can't do anything to earn salvation. Salvation is a free gift of the Lord. That's grace. We see grace in the blessings of life and all that the Lord has given us and all that the Lord has done for us. 2 Corinthians nine, fourteen and 15 says this, And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. John 1.16, for the fullness of his grace. It's speaking of Christ. We have all received one blessing after another, right? You can go on and on and on and on in scripture about the Lord's grace and all he's done and all the ways in which he has blessed us. And We understand this intellectually, but I wonder if we live our lives like this. We hear these verses and we're reminded of the grace of God, but I wonder if we live our lives thankful for what he's done for us. When's the last time you woke up in the morning and just thank God for his grace? Lord, thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for what you've given me. Thank you for my spouse. Thank you for my job. Thank you for the possessions that allow me to live life. Lord, thank you for my church. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for salvation. Lord, thank you for the grace that you've given me. See, the Lord explains to Paul that in your deepest, darkest moments, the grace of the Lord is sufficient for you. But that's not all he says. Look, as we kind of finish this up this morning, as we kind of wind this thing down. Verse 8 again. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away. right, so we need to be prepared for the difficulties of life, for the thorns. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So we need to understand that the grace of the Lord is an opportunity. The struggles of life are an opportunity to, to see God's grace. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Verse 10. That's why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak then I am strong. What an incredible verse. Here's the third truth. In our weakness, we see God's strength. In our weakness, we see God's strength. See, Paul tells us as we study through this that no matter where we are in our walk, no matter what difficulty we're facing, no matter how weak we are, God's strength is manifest in us. Now, men, if you're like me and if you're like the typical man, we don't like to admit weakness, do we? That's just not something we're good at. We don't like to stand up in front of people and say, Oh, I'm really weak, right? I'm, I'm pretty puny, I'm pretty pathetic, you know, I don't do a whole lot well. That's just not who we are. Instead, we like to kind of boast in our strength. Here are the things I'm good at, right? I'm strong. I can accomplish all these things. And so it's, it's kind of really hard for us sometimes to recognize our weakness. When we were in Guatemala back spring break, I got very, very dehydrated on that trip. I've never been dehydrated. Now, if you've ever experienced real dehydration, you'll understand what I'm going to tell you. But I begin to have these interesting symptoms. I began to, first of all, get a headache. I got a real bad headache. And this was a kind of a period of two or three days and I started feeling weaker. And when I say weaker, I mean I would get up and I, I kind of had, had a hard time. You know, I would stumble and then I kind of regain myself. And I just felt like I couldn't walk. I couldn't hardly pick anything up. And then I began to get real, real sore, like I was kind of getting flu-like symptoms. And it kind of got to this one point I, I felt so bad. I kind of felt it coming on a little bit, you know. And, and when you go to Central America, there's always going to be that moment you don't feel good. There's just, there's just enough junk down there. There's always that woman when you're like, oh, here it comes. You're just not sure how, how bad it's going to be. So I kind of sensed that it was coming on. And a couple of days later, it had gotten so bad that I literally, at one point during our ministry there in the village, I just had to lay down, and that's just not really like me. And so I literally just laid down on the bare concrete, and I was just terrible feeling, right? So they walked over to me, and the medic, thank, thank the Lord, we had a medic with us uh, who's in Guatemala again right now doing medical work, Brian Fox. He walked over to me, and he's talking to me, asking me kind of my symptoms, and he said, I think you're dehydrated. And I said, you yeah, know, I'm not dehydrated. I've got the flu. I know you're trained, and this is what you do for a living, and I, I know you work in the hospital in the ER, and I know you're in the Army, and, but I'm not dehydrated. I mean, I, I've got the flu. And he's like, if you'll just let me give you a couple, of, a couple of bags of IVs, you'll feel like a million bucks. I was like, well, I'll let you, but I'm not really. I'm, I told Amy, I said, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I mean, I'm going to let him do it, but I don't really need it. And when I laid there, you know, so I'm laying there, and it's, it's kind of bad when you're laying, and you look, and the people that were just talking to you are now over in the corner talking. They're huddled up talking. <laughs> what, what are they talking about, right? They're talking about me. Something bad's about to happen. I'm not thinking straight anyway. I'm looking for my exit. How am I going to get out of here? So they come over, and Gary's like, Adam, you need to go back to the hotel. We've got to get some fluids in you. It's going to make you feel all right. I'll let you do it, right? And when I stood up, it was like the world was spinning. I didn't know the world would spin like that, I'd, I'd never quite seen it. And so, and they were like, whoa, let, let me help. I was kind of up on some stairs on, in the church. They were like, let me help you down the stairs, right? And you don't really quite understand the strength of, of other people until you're incredibly weak. When you can't really walk yourself and you literally have to kind of put your arms around somebody and they have to kind of help you down the stairs, what you would normally do yourself, and just walk a few feet out into the road and you get into the vehicle that's going to drive you. You don't understand how that. Feels until you're incredibly weak and you can't do it yourself and then you understand strength and in those few short moments to that car I think Philip was there and maybe Brian was there and they were helping me I was thankful for their strength because I was too weak to do it myself it's kind of like that with the Lord as long as we think we can do it ourselves as long as we think we're good enough and we think we're strong enough we're never going to really rely on the strength of the Lord I probably could have stumbled down and made it myself and gotten into the car and felt terrible when I got there. But when I kind of gave in there at the end, and I said, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe I need you to help me. Their strength carried me. It's like that with Christ. I mean, we hold on to so many things, don't we? Lord, I can do this. Lord, I I know you, to use my illustration, Lord, I know you say I'm dehydrated, but I'm not really. I've got the answer. I know what's really going on. (laughs) I know you think you can tell me how to fix this, Lord, in your word and through prayer, but I've I've got the answer. Let let me handle this, Lord, and when I feel a little bit better, then I'll listen to you again. See, Christ says to us, you're weaker than you think. And when you're truly weak, and when you truly rely on the things of the Lord, then you will experience his strength. Jeremiah 32, 17 says it like this, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth... And by your great power and outstretched arm, watch this, nothing is too hard for you. Man, I think if we were honest with each other, there have been times in our lives, and maybe there's a time right now with something you're going on when you think even the Lord can't fix this. Even the Lord can't deal with this. It's just too much. It's just too hard. I've gone too far down this path. I'll remind you of Matthew nineteen twenty-six. Jesus looked at them and said, and I think he needs to look at some of you right now and say this with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. See, no matter where you are, no matter where you're going, no matter what struggle you're facing right now, there's hope in Christ. You know we're all going to face hardships. We're all going to face thorns. We're all going to struggle at different times in our lives. The question isn't really, are we going to struggle? The question is, in those moments that we struggle, are we going to rely on the Lord? Are we going to seek Him? Are we going to realize our weakness and rely solely on His strength? For when I am weak... Then I am strong. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the very clear teaching. For the reminder of our need to rely on you. To trust you, Lord. To put our hope in you. To put our faith in who you are. Lord, help us to remember that the the thorns are going to come. There are going to be difficult times in life. But when those difficulties come, Father, help us to see that those are opportunities for us to experience your grace. Those are opportunities for us to experience your power. And then I pray, Father, as we walk through those times, we would recognize our weakness and our need for you. And we would rely fully on your strength for your honor and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to give you the chance, if you want to come and pray, maybe you need to pray about some things you're dealing with, about situations of life, about the thorns that you're struggling with at home or at work, or we're going to allow the altar to be open for you. You can repent of your sins and accept Christ, or you can join this church, but this is your time to respond as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the contact us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.